It was outstanding. So uh, I was just uh, sharing with uh, Pastor Derek and Ruth this morning um, that, uh, you know, we, we sometimes wonder why we uh, are a little bit apprehensive about stepping into some of the things that uh, are going on. And, and, and in, in many ways, it's not because we don't want to step into the things that are being revealed to us. Actually, the more that God is using Pastor Derek to uh, teach us about what the standards of the word are, the more we realize we have to come to a place of choice, don't we? And we've got to choose not to uh, just be on the milk, but we need to choose to uh, feed on the meat of the word. And the meat of the word is to do the word. Milk of the word is just hearing the word. And now we're good at hearing, but what we need to do is be good at doing the word. And so as soon as we understand this is what needs to happen, then we're all placed at a point of choice. Am I going to continue to be in the milk of the word or am I going to choose to be in the meat of the word? If I choose to be in the meat of the word, then I've got to start doing something about the word I'm hearing. And so the challenge for us is, well, yes, we want to make the choice to move into doing the word. But uh, sometimes what stops us moving in the word that we're hearing, actually doing it, is because we don't always understand. So I was just sharing with uh, the guys this morning, I'll give you a just to spend a minute and give you a little bit of mechanicing background. Is that all right if I do that? So after I've shared with you, you'll be able to fix anything on your car. <laughs> uh, being a mechanic, um, the principle of an engine working is suck, push, bang, blow. Got that? Suck, push, bang, blow. That's an engine. That's how engines work. Very simple. Okay? Piston comes down, suck. Valves close, piston goes up. That's the push. Then the spark plug goes off and ignites the fuel and the, and the air and bang. Piston goes down, gives you the power. Exhaust valve opens, piston comes up on its fourth stroke, pushes the exhaust out. Isn't that easy? Got it? That's, no, I'm not going there. <laughs> that's stage two. So that's how it works. So if I take you out now and say the car in the front yard, we need to take the engine out of it. We've got to change the rings and the bearings and sort out the lubrication system, check on the, how the distributor is driving off the crankshaft. You with me? We're going to go out and do all that now because you understand suck, push, bang, blow. Right? You got it? See, because we don't, we, we understand a concept, but we don't know the mechanics of it, we can sort of go, well, here we are, God's challenged us to go out and do the Word, but we don't necessarily understand the mechanics of, well, what does it mean to do the Word? And so I know that where Pastor Derek is taking us, yesterday he was moving through the concepts of suck, push, bang, blow. He was sharing with us the concepts of how to build the foundation upon which the healing ministry is going to be able to outwork the will of God. And, and, and it was entwining in what he was sharing with it, little aspects here and there of, you know, what was this component of healing, what's that component of healing. But I, I know that as we progress through today and tomorrow, you're going to learn more than just suck, push, bang, blow. What we're going to learn is why suck works. Why push works? Why bang? What are the components? How do they work? And, and, and we're going to come into greater understanding. And with greater understanding, then there can be a confidence. Once I understand how an engine works, not just the principle of it, but the mechanics of it, I've got a greater confidence to go out and pull an engine out and do something with it. Does that make sense? So please understand, I'm coming from a mechanics point of view because that's what I am. Um, so if, uh, if it's... Uh, Pastor Derek shared about painting yesterday because that's what he can do. So maybe just apply the same principle to what you're good at. And it's just an illustration. But the important thing for this morning, as we hand over to Pastor Derek in just a second, is you, you don't want to go back to basics now. Okay, the important thing that Dr. Jonathan David teaches us whenever we finish one day and move into the next day of a, a conference or teaching is we've got, to, we've got to pick up where the water level left off the day before. Okay, otherwise we've got to rebuild everything we did yesterday. 
So uh, can I just invite us, please? Can we stand? And uh, I want to invite those uh, who, who feel they, they can, and, and, and I would just like to encourage you, just build your spirit for a minute or two. Okay, just we want to rise up and we want to be at that same place we finished yesterday. Amen. Oh, we rise up in our spirit, Lord God. Oh, Father, we thank you for the word that's come. We thank you, Lord, for the stirring of your spirit in our hearts, for the call to that place of choice, Lord God. Oh, Father, we're not afraid of what we need to step into, Lord, but understand that you'll bring more into our hearts, bring greater understanding into our minds, Lord God. Oh, Father, take us from where you finished yesterday. Oh, we start, Lord God, from this point this morning. Lord God, we've already begun the journey. Oh, Father, we thank you that you're going to continue to take us on this journey. Today, Lord God, prepare our hearts, Lord God. Cause us to be active and accurate in our hearts and spirits this morning, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So, we're off to a, an amazing start from yesterday. And it's like, the, it's like the relay, the baton's been passed. We're on the second runner this morning. So we don't want to go back to the first runner's spot and give the baton back to the first runner. No, what we're going to do is we've passed the baton on. And so we are the, we're like the second runner today. Okay, so let's uh, welcome Pastor Derek as he comes to share. All right, you know what you have to do? Come on. Come on, let's exalt him. Oh, come on, let's give a shout of praise this morning. All glory, all honor belong to the Lord Jesus. In you we live, in you we move, in you we have our being. To you be glory in the church. You are the head of the church. We thank you, Lord, you're building your church. And we're part of your body in the earth. Hallelujah. No power of hell will stop this. Nothing can, nothing can hinder us anymore because the truth will make us free. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, have your way. We don't trust in ourselves, but we trust in you. Not that we're adequate in ourselves to consider as anything from coming from ourselves, but he that made us adequate is God, who makes us able, adequate dispensers of the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. All glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you. You can be seated. Now, if we can, if we can, uh, we did pretty good yesterday, uh, staying on time. But if we can stay even more on time today, it's going to help. I was talking with Pastor Graham, and I haven't even had a chance to ask Pastor Brian yet. But basically, I really, I really think that probably what we should do tonight is just continue the training. Um, Last night was kind of a weird meeting, but uh, in the sense that, you know, we were all kind of just waiting for each other to do something. And, uh, but that's okay. We, you know, God still moved, but we, what we really need to do is uh, I'm just concerned that I get everything out that, need, that you need to, to get you started. What Pastor Graham was saying is really important because um, the first time you hear something like this, like as I said to you before, it's not it's not just learning a technology, it's not just learning a method, but you have to learn why the method works, uh, where where it's coming from, and so that's why uh, the first first couple of days are mostly conceptual. All right, you know, just a half a cup of cold water stops a whole pot of water from boiling. That's what false doctrine is like. Sometimes you have, you have the fire lit and the, the water is boiling, and then somehow just a little cold water, it just upsets the, the whole balance of everything. So that's why I really believe Jesus, he took a lot of time to teach. And uh, so there's a patience involved. We, we want to see miracles. We want to see those things take place. Amen. And they're happening, but they're going to increase. But what's more important is what we believe. Amen. So let's go to, having said that, let's go to the book of Matthew. I'm going to bring out a couple things, and then we're going to kind of pick up where we left off from last night. Matthew, let me see. 
Yep, chapter 17. I mentioned this scripture before, but I wanted, to, I wanted you to see it. It's good to look at the Word of God. Sometimes we are quoting the Word, so we think, and we're actually not. That's why we have to know what it says. Isn't that true? We're not religious, but we have to know, we have to know what the Word of God says. Amen? Jesus quoted the Word. If he, if he has to quote the Word, you know... Hallelujah. All right, you're in the flow. Praise the Lord. Matthew 17, 14, when the multitude came up to him, a man came up to him, falling on his knees before him, saying, Lord, have mercy on my son. Did you hear that? Have what? So in the scripture, mercy is always connected to healing. Lord, have mercy. That's what they say in, in the States sometimes. I wish you I wish you would heal your mind, all right, because sometimes we don't understand. So so this is the point. God's mercy. Every time you look in the Psalms, it always it always has to do with not just his forgiveness, but his mercy. See, always Jesus treated sin and sickness the same. He removed them. Full stop. Always. Amen. So this is something we have to understand. So he says, Lord have mercy on my son, for he's a lunatic. He's very ill and he often falls into the fire. And often into the water. I brought him to your disciples, and they could not cure him. And Jesus answered and said, O unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring him here to me. How long was he with this man? A short time. So he's not talking to the man, is he? He's talking to his disciples. Do you hear that? He, didn't, he never rebuked the man for not having faith. See, people are going to come to us for help, and our job is to help. You hearing that? Now, there comes, a, like I said before, healing is a children's bread. And at some point, you know, like, like some of the people we prayed for last night, it's not that, that we don't want to pray for people, but at some point, see, God has different ways for different categories of people to be healed. And I'll, and I'll get to that. Let's just, let's just go through this first, okay? So just keep this in mind. This man needed help. He brought him to the disciples. And the disciples couldn't help him. And Jesus corrected the disciples. He said, oh, unbelieving generation. Then he called them perverted. Perverted means to twist to your own advantage. So you come to me and I pray for you. You get healed. I say, hallelujah, I'm anointed. I, then the other person comes and they don't get healed. I say, you don't have faith. I prophesy, the word comes to pass. I say, hallelujah, I'm the prophet of God, the prophet of the hour, the man of flower, and all that stuff, right? Then I prophesy and it doesn't come to pass. And I say, you didn't war with your prophecy enough. It's not, it's not my fault. It's your fault. See, this is the game the church is playing too long. Now, it is true. You don't see. There's no hindrance to healing. There's a hindrance to keeping healing. If I pour water in you and you, you just refuse to receive it, and you keep, you keep, you know. But see, most of the time, that's not the case. Are you hearing that? It's what. See, it, essentially, it comes down to what do you believe? Only believe. How can healing be assigned to unbelievers if they if they are required to have faith? It's not possible. I remember I prayed for my mother-in-law. When I say pray, I ministered to her not too long ago. She's from Estonia, and they grew up in a communist environment. They're taught that God is the opium of the masses. It's very antichrist, very, very difficult. So she, she's a lady. She loves nature. She'll go and walk by the ocean. You know, because they live, they live near the ocean. And she'll talk to the ocean like it's her friend. She'll talk to the trees. But, she, but somehow the enemy's blinded her mind from seeing there's a creator. It's, a, it's such a heavy spirit. So I've been, I'll be married now five years in October. 
and God has blessed me every every year to be able to fly her out and to see Veronica, my wife, and she so she's met Sophia. So the last time she was here, uh, you know, she has she's a bit you know overweight, and you know, like I said before, there's a lot of things that will just leave our bodies if we just lose weight and fast and live healthy. Right, so we're not talking about weirdness here, you know. Oh Lord, I curse the, you know, the calories in the McDonald's Big Mac, and in Jesus' name, you know, this is this is stupid. Are you hearing that? People take things to extreme. You got, you know, you still have to take care of yourself. See, healing is not an immune system. You you have three immune systems. One is your spiritual immune system. Your Emotional, your mental, your soul, and then your body. All these can affect each other. Right? The Word of God is health to your flesh. Health to your body. The Word is medicine. A broken spirit, who can bear? Hope deferred makes the heart sick. So there's, there's a spiritual immune system. That's why Jesus said, you're now clean through the words I've spoken to you. Then 2 Corinthians 7 says, let us cleanse ourselves from every contamination of flesh and spirit so your spirit can become contaminated even though it's made in his image and his likeness that's what false doctrine or wrong beliefs or fellowshipping with the wrong kind of stuff can do to you and what about your soul 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 that's where depression manifests different different things in the soul things will work you down work work you or deplete you of strength so basically you get you know, depression, there's a, there's a spirit of depression, and then there's natural depression. So that, that happens when the natural side happens, when you are, you're basically spent. You're, when you're emotionally drained, that's when you get depressed. That's why you look at Elijah when he was there. He calls on fire, and then a lady chases him, you know. He's like, oh, I'm leaving, you know. I mean, I understand as a Jezebel spirit, but... The fact is, the, the guy called on fire destroyed 850 false prophets. This is a powerful man. But, but every time you, God uses you and you're pouring out, there's, there's a depletion that happens and you have to be replenished. That's why I'm so, like, I'm so thankful for my brothers and sisters because it's so easy to minister in this place because I'm, I'm covered by them. They have my back. They're, you know, they're receiving from me. I'm receiving from them. And, you know, so we, there's this dynamic that goes on. But when you go out and you're pioneering and you're breaking through a new area and you, you don't have this, it's very different. Some places I've been, it's, you know, you're alone and you have to really guard yourself. That's why most, a lot of evangelists fall into pornography. You know, this is an epidemic in the church. And you have to, you have to understand, you know, we're talking about, we're talking about, remember, healing is warfare. It's part of warfare. It's not the only warfare, but it's part of it. The Lord is a warrior. Jehovah Rapha, he's a healer. So before he's a healer, he's a warrior. And every time we go out to minister to people, we're engaging in a warfare. You have to understand that the enemy, you're now going to become a threat to him. Right? So you're now marked because you're hearing this word, and now now the enemy is going to take note who's going to actually start to do this. Now, you don't have to be afraid. You just have to be wise. We're not supposed to fear the enemy, but we're just supposed to use wisdom. He said, he said be wise as serpents, harmless as doves. Harmless means without mixture. That's what literally it meant. To be a harmless as a dove is without mixture. That's why the spirit descended on him like a dove. It wasn't, it wasn't a big bird that fell on Jesus. I was in a church ministering. The pastor said, I just see the Holy Spirit's a big bird, like wings. I thought, he's like a dove. He's not a dove. dove doves are pure. Doves are gentle. Doves only have one mate their whole life. They're without mixture. So it's talking about a nature it's a picture of comfort. It's a picture of peace. Noah sent out the dove. Right? And you can even use that principle when you minister to people. You send out the dove. You know what I'm saying? You send out your greetings. Send out the dove to people. Meaning the Holy Spirit. You, you greet them. And then if it returns to you, there's no door to, there's no door to minister. Like, like the guy said, I'm going to sue you. 
right? The dove returned to her. You understand what I'm saying? So we're not talking about forcing this on people. You know, sometimes sometimes you can't actually. I remember someone said, "No, don't pray for." Her. I said, "Be healed anyway." They got healed. Doesn't you know? I just I just ran. You know. <laughs> All right, because God, God is in the business of showing off. He wants, you know, he just wants to make his points. But what, but what I'm, I'm saying to you is, is that all this can happen in the context of a normal life. You're naturally supernatural. God doesn't want, he wants you to have responsibility, but not like an ungodly pressure. You still have to carry the burden of the Lord. You, you know, you still, you still have to walk in peace. Amen? But you just make up your your mind you're not going to neglect certain things all right so if the dove if the dove lands then that's your opening to minister right you know do you understand what i mean so here's a good exercise you know go what do you guys call it grocery store supermarket here supermarket so go to the supermarket this is an exercise you can do just walk around and just like you would normally would and just observe how people react to you. Do they notice you? Do they, are they just in their own world? Just do this for like 10, 15 minutes and then go out. Leave the supermarket. Then get in your car. Go get, go to, go get a cup of coffee or whatever and just pray in tongues for about 15 minutes. Not just maintenance tongues. You know what I mean? Maintenance. Not shotgun. You know, you know what I mean? Just maintenance tongues. Say, Lord, I worship you. Just, just for 10, 15 minutes. And then go back in the same place. And see what happens. What will take place is people will either be, by the Spirit, drawn to you or be repelled by you. So the presence either draws or repels. People that want God are going to somehow, they may, they're not going to necessarily know, oh, you're a Christian, oh, you have, no. They just may find you friendly. They may start talking to you. And, and you see, that's a, that's like an indication God is drawing them. Some people have made up their minds. I'm not, I'm not going to, you know, I don't want God. They're in rebellion. They're going the opposite way. So you're, we're not talking about forcing things on people. I want you to understand that. Be clear. Are you hearing that? So back to my mother-in-law. So, she, so she's, she's uh, you know, she's visiting. She really has a hard time. But, you know, she comes to church. She'll sing the songs. So it's like she indulges, indulges us. She does, it's like she just can't make that step to believe, but she knows we're good. And she knows I'm a good man. She sees how I treat her daughter and her granddaughter. She sees that our lives are blessed. So she doesn't get it, but she's not opposed to it. You understand? But she doesn't have faith. So she had some really severe swelling in her feet and ankles. And um, I said, Mom, let me, let me just pray for you. She says, what do you mean? I said, don't worry about it. I'm going to touch your feet. You hear that? Don't worry about it. I said, I said I'm going to touch your feet. God's going to heal your feet. I said, watch and see. Okay, Derek. That's how she talked. So I think I, think I touched her feet. Uh, now, this is another thing. You don't have to touch the body part that hurts. The Spirit of God is bigger you know, like you remember the hips and the lips yesterday. It's kind of like that. You know, you can, you know, just touch their hand or their shoulder, especially if they're the opposite sex. You know, you don't you don't have to. I mean, it's better if men minister to men anyway. Sometimes you're in a situation and you can't, but you have to remember again. You got to use wisdom. Are you hearing that? So operate by principles. Amen. Don't be stupid. Don't don't put yourself you know give the devil ammunition and paint a target on your back and then wonder why you got shot. All right, this is important. All right, so I heard a man he <laughs> Curry told me this. He said there was a guy that he trained and you know the lady had breast cancer. He laid hands on her. And she got healed. The good news is they got married. So it's all right. <laughs> I don't, I don't recommend that. (laughs) 
That's why you've got to be careful because when you're ministering to people, sometimes if it, even if you hold their hand the wrong way, sometimes the power will hit them. And, that, and they'll grab onto you and pull you on top of them. So you have to, you know, I've got long arms. I just go, you know, you're gone. You know, I don't have to. So you find your own way. Hallelujah. So anyway, I laid hands on, I laid hands on my mother-in-law, and she got healed. And, and it was, um, I don't think she felt anything right away, but what, I said, well, now what would normally happen? She said, I'll, I'll be really hurting in the morning because we, we took her on a walk. And uh, it was a long walk. And so she came down in the morning from her bedroom. And she's walking down the stairs. She's like, I've got no pain in my feet. And her feet were normal. She's like, this really worked. She just goes, wow. So now she still didn't get saved. But every time she's hurting, she'll say, can you, can you pray for me? So, you know, some people, are, they're just getting closer and closer. And you're just drawing them by the Spirit. See, that's why your job is to be obedient. Just show the love of God. Show the power. Let Him do it. Sometimes we, we feel like, you know, we've got to get them saved, filled, healed, all in one go. You know, sometimes it's not going to happen that way. Some, sometimes, sometimes you just make a connection. You know, like you say, like JR, you don't even say, can I pray for you, right? You don't even do that. He just says, let me see your hand. Let me see, you know. Sometimes, sometimes um, if they have a cane or something, you can just say, what's, you know, what's going on? I, there's another guy, he... I think I, I can't remember if I told this story or not, but he, he, he's in the gym that I work out at. He works in the gym, and he was hit by a drunk driver. And he has all kinds of things wrong with him. He can't even talk. He's like, uh, uh, you know, like, like stuttering. And so it's a challenge to even listen to him. So I said, hey, man, what, what happened to you? What's going on? And so he was connecting with me. I just talked to him. I didn't even, I didn't even offer to pray for him. So it's not always immediate, you know, but you, you're conscious. You're carrying this thing. You can help. So, I, so I'm, I mean, I'm there to work out. I'm not there to heal people. I want to get in and out. But you know what? As you go, go go on your ways. So I say, okay, Lord, this is more important than me, you know, lifting how much weight I need to lift, whatever. So I just talk to him. Let's take five minutes and talk to the guy. I mean, how hard is that? So then the next time I said, hey, you know what? I said, I'm a minister. And he's Catholic. He goes, oh, Father. And I said, I want to say a blessing over you, because now, now I, know how, I know how he thinks. So let me bless you, my son. That's what I said, let me bless you, my son. He goes, thank you. <laughs> all things to all men, that I might save some, right? That's what he said. So I just, I just spoke to his body. I asked him what happened. And uh, that's why I'm saying, so if the gift operates, that's wonderful. If not, you don't need it. You've got to get that. It's not about a gift. It's about dominion. Say that. Dominion. He gave them authority over unclean spirits to heal every kind of sickness, every kind of disease. That's in Matthew 10. Amen? That's a command. And he gave them a dominion. So I've ministered to him a couple times. I just put life in him. See, it's about ministering life. So every time you, you lay hands, you're, you're releasing life. And laying hands doesn't mean you have to like lay it on their head. That's why hand, hands, look, look, just do a word study and look, look that up every time in the scripture. In the New Testament, sometimes he just took them by the hand. So it's called the law of contact and transmission. Law of contact, transmission. You contact, and then something's transmitted called the Spirit of God. But you have to do it in faith. Right? So you can lay hand. You can just shake someone's hand. Say, how are you doing? And in your heart, you're saying, I'm releasing. All right? So sometimes you're undercover. Sometimes you're, you know, you're, you're feeling your way through this because your environment's going to be different. Every person's going to be different. Is that okay? Okay, so let's get back to the scripture. We're in Matthew 17, 17. Jesus answered and said, O unbelieving and perverted generation, how long shall I be with you? Man, that's rough language. How long shall I put up with you? He's talking to the disciples. He said, bring him here to me. And Jesus rebuked him. Who's him? The devil. So Jesus never rebuked people. 
Even when he corrected the disciples. See, that's another study you should do is the word rebuke. That's like the strongest form of communication. There's a difference between correcting, reproaching, rebuking. Rebuke, it's like the, the most intense form of scolding. So we're to rebuke the devil. Right? But if you say, devil, I rebuke you. He's like, okay, when are you going to start? Devil, I rebuke you. He's like, okay. Do you remember when Peter's mother had the fever, his mother-in-law had the fever? One translation says he threatened the fever. There's, a, there's other expressions in the Greek that says he strangled these, these demons with his word. That's how forceful he spoke. So that's, a re, that's rebuking devils. It's not saying I rebuke you. It's like saying I fight you. I punch you. It's like it's waiting for the punch. You're not, you're not doing it. You know what I'm saying? So you use your words and your authority and you tell the problem what to do. That's speaking to the mountain. Amen? Okay, verse 18. Jesus rebuked him, meaning the devil, and the demon came out of him and the boy was cured at once. Now sometimes it was at once and sometimes it was as they go. But your job is to count it as done. Amen? Verse 19, the disciples came to Jesus privately. That was smart. And so why, why could we not cast it out? They've learned at this point. Okay. And Jesus said to them, because of the littleness of your faith. Actually, it's the correct word there is unbelief. Because of your unbelief. Truly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed... You shall say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it shall move, and nothing shall be impossible to you. So first of all, he says it was because of unbelief. Say that, unbelief. Okay, unbelief is not a lack of faith, it's opposing faith. This is where the devil trips us up as Christians, is he convinces us that we don't have faith, that we, we are in unbelief. But unbelief is an opposing force. It's completely opposite to faith. It's not just like you're not strong and you're trying to work up the courage to believe and therefore you have unbelief. No. That means you're just weak in faith and you're getting stronger. That's not unbelief. That's what you've got to remember. God's on your side. God wants to help you. He's never against you. He's, he's always the answer. Amen? So these guys, he, he called them perverted. He called them unbelieving generation so they were opposing to this their carnal mind was so heavy and they they just couldn't even wrap their minds around this all right then the second thing you see is that if you have faith as a mustard seed so mustard seed is is the smallest seed there is and therefore faith cannot be an amount faith is a quality it's not like why i have 30 gallons of faith or 20 gallons of faith or 50 liters of faith and one liter. I only have one liter, so therefore I can't, I can't move this devil who's big. That is all wrong teaching. If you only have a mustard seed, you have enough. Because it's a quality. And that quality is a trusting in and relying upon God. The quality of faith is a faith that does not quit. It's a faith, it's basically not giving up. Isn't it interesting that you read Hebrews 11 and you, it says, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, Moses did this. By faith, Abraham did that. By faith, Abel offered a better sacrifice than Cain. By faith, Noah bit, built the ark, preparing it with fear. By faith, you know, Abraham received strength and he waxed strong in faith. And it's using all this stuff. And then you go into the Old Testament and you read about these people's lives and the word faith is only mentioned twice in the, in the whole Old Testament. So all the stories about Abraham's life, about Moses' life, about you know, all the people that are mentioned in Hebrews 11, there's no mention of faith in the, in the telling of the story. So what's the point? The point is, is that they had courage. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. That's what God told Joshua. So that's what faith is. It's just being courageous. It's just being strong. It's trusting in the Word of God and stepping out and just and acting on it. You know what I'm saying? So you need to see it that way. That's important. Look at verse 21. He says, so he says, because of your unbelief, 
That was the reason he gave. Is that the reason he gave? Because of your unbelief. And then verse 21. But this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. Now do you see the brackets there in your Bible? Do you have parentheses or brackets or is, is it in italics in your Bible? Talk to me, is it? Yeah? That means it wasn't in the original text. So that means man put that there. So he didn't say that you couldn't cast out the devil because you didn't fast and pray enough. We said yesterday in Luke 11, they didn't even know how to pray. He said, but... And I know this upsets a lot of doctrines, but, you know, that's what we're here for, right? I mean, we want, we want to know the truth. So that, so that is not in the original text. This kind doesn't come up but by prayer and fasting. So that's man's logic, trying to figure out why things don't work. Well, this must be a really big devil. I need to fast. Okay, every devil is defeated. Every devil is under our feet. Every, you know, I don't care if he's a principality, a power, if he's Casper the ghost. It doesn't matter who he is. A Casper the ghost is a cartoon in America. That, that you have, did you have that guy? Little you know, ghostbusters. It doesn't matter what they are. You understand? You, you have to treat it all the same. That's one of the things you find. You treat every sickness the same. You treat it like a person. You treat it like an enemy. It doesn't matter what the name of it is. It doesn't matter what, the, what kind of devil it is, what kind of sickness it is. It's illegal. It's not of God. It's not God's will. And you deal with it. That's what you do. But it's only when we think we need all these other details or like, you know, so the enemy, you know, think about it. If you were the devil, wouldn't you try to convince you to not attack him? Wouldn't you try to, you know, say, well, no, you, you really shouldn't attack me. You really shouldn't. You need more information. You need to fast. You need to pray more. So then you're going, you're going aside. You say, whew, I hope they go on a long fast. I can stay at least a few more days. So fasting, he didn't say because you didn't fast or pray. He said because you didn't believe. So it's faith in reference to casting out devils in another person. Is that, is that the context? That's what he rebuked them for, the disciples. I mean, he corrected the disciples for not having faith for someone else. So they were expected to have faith for someone else. But what do you hear today, mostly in church? Your faith will make you well. It's true, your faith will make you well, but until you're to that point, you may need some help. See, Jesus never turned anyone away and said, you don't have enough faith. He never said that. If they came to him, that was good enough. He worked with them. I'm not saying we shouldn't have faith. I'm saying that because of what we've been taught and what we believe, sometimes we, we have a, an over an exaggerated opinion of what it is and, and a misunderstanding of how it works. Your faith will make you well. So he commended people for having faith. But what, what faith did this guy have? He just knew these guys should be able to help me. And he showed up. And then he didn't get on the man for not believing. He got on the disciples for not believing. For the man. So when he says go in the city and heal the sick therein, I mean think about what, what's implied there. He's asking you to demonstrate power to use your faith on people that don't have faith so they can know that God is real. That's why how can God judge all the nations if they don't even know that God is real? How can God hold them accountable when the only Jesus they know is the church they look at today? That's not really fair, is it? Think about that, you know. They don't know Jesus. The only Jesus they know is a track. He said, Jesus loves you. They don't know what it means. But if you set them free and say, hey, the kingdom has come to you. Jesus loves you. This Jesus loves you. What are you going to do about that? Then, then your work is finished in that sense. Amen? Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So fasting and prayer, don't cast out unbelief. Fasting is not the cure for unbelief. That's not true. You can fast 90 days and still not believe. Just because you don't eat doesn't mean you're going to believe suddenly. 
it's so stupid, but we believe it. It's like because we've been taught that. I used to believe that. So when I say stupid, I'm, I'm putting myself in the kettle. I'm thinking, wow, yeah, why did I think that? Somehow religion just blinds you. You know, it's, it's by faith. It's not by anointing. That's an important statement. It's not by gifting. It's by faith. He that believes in me, the work that I do, shall he do also. And greater works. Not like they asked T.L. Osborne. You know how many miracles that guy had in his crusades. And he would just teach people faith. He, he, they wouldn't even lay hands on people. Because when you have that many people, you can't hide and lay hands on everybody. So he would just teach the word. Just teach like this. And as people kept hearing, it started to lay hold of them. And he was on a platform one time, and, and they said that they, they were all crying out for power. The pastors were. Oh, God, send your spirit. Oh, God, pour out your spirit. Oh, God, you know, open the heavens over us and just send your power. And he leaned over. And he says, what these preachers don't understand. And he didn't know he was being recorded. He was on a microphone. So they caught it. They caught him. But it was actually good because it helps us today in our generation. He leaned over and says, what these, what these preachers don't understand is they don't need more power. They need more gospel. Because the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. So sometimes we're looking for God to pour out something instead of realizing, what does the gospel say? Go back to the good news because it is good news to him who believes. It is the power of God unto him who believes. Are you hearing that? The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Oh, how powerful. How available is that? That means that if we find it in the Word and just, and just take that Word, it's ours. That's why His Word and His presence are the same. Praise God. So they also, they also said to TL, they said, Man, you know, you must have a serious apostolic gift or something in his life. He said, Boy, if I have a gift, I sure don't know it. So in his mind, and, you know, whether he had a gift or not, the point is, in his mind, he was just doing everything according to the Word and by faith. Just a normal person. Amen? Hallelujah. John G. Lake said this. He said, it's a law of the human mind. This, this is, I'm sure, somewhere in the manual. But it's a law of the human mind that I can act myself into believing instead of believing myself into acting. The latter part of that statement is how most of the church has been trained. You hear the word, you hear the word, you, you just keep letting it soak in. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and you keep hearing and hearing and hearing. That's not what it says. But that's not what we're taught. So you keep hearing and then one day faith is going to rise up and you're going to act. But, Lake's, Lake believed the opposite. He said, it's a law of the human mind that if I step out and act, my faith will kick in. Now, I'm not, now, please understand, there is a key in meditating on the Word. There's no doubt about that. That especially when it comes to having faith for yourself and your own health. See, God doesn't want you just to be healed. He wants you to walk in divine health. Not just be healed once and then get sick and then get healed again. And you know, No, he, that, that can't be his plan. Amen? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Most religions focus on reaching something. You realize that? You, you have to attain something. In the martial arts, you study for so long and then you get different belts and different, different awards and you're getting more and more rank and more and more promotion and so on. Every religion is the same. But the difference between religion and what we have is called life. Amen. It's communion with God. Oneness with Him. Oneness with God. That's why you're not to attain anything. This is where we get hung up because as long as you think you have to attain, power is going to have a hard time flowing through you. That's works. Are you hearing? So it's a law of the human mind. You have to act and then you believe. 
say, but what if I don't? I'm. What if I don't believe? I'm saying that. It's just like Pastor Graham was saying at the beginning. You can hear about it, but until you you put your hands on the engine and you start knowing where the seals are and the gasket is and all this stuff, that's when you actually release your faith. That's when you actually start to get it, and that's where confidence comes from. Amen. So that's where we have to conquer fear. Amen. We've got to conquer our fears. God's not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. Isn't it interesting that the number or the top fears people have, public speaking and flying. God said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. I'm serious. Isn't it, it's fascinating. I mean, because that's, that's the Great Commission. God to go into all the world. How can you go into all the world without getting on a plane? So the devil doesn't want you to go, don't fly, don't fly, don't fly. So he's going he's gonna to give you, uh, that's all his only power of suggestion. Did God really say, no, you don't want to do that? No, 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 please. Because he knows once you get a hold of this, it's over for him. Amen? And then the second thing is public speaking. But we're all supposed to preach. I said we're all supposed to preach. I mean, I believe every believer ought to have a disciple. Apostles are called to disciple nations. But believers, we're called, we're, we're called to disciple people. Because the Great Commission, Jesus turned to the apostles. He said, you guys go into all the world. You disciple the nations and teach them to observe everything I've taught you. So they spent three and a half years with him as apostles. He's trained them. Then they're to turn around and they're to do the same, the same process. But within that process, see we, see, we still have this mindset, we're going to bring someone to church. That's the problem. They don't understand lifting hands. They don't understand your culture and your honor and your covenant and all, this, all these invisible rules and protocols you have. And then we wonder why they don't feel like they can fit in. Because it's just like going to a brand new country with a brand new culture and expected, you want to live here? No, I don't want to live here. I don't understand any of this. So we're becoming so good among ourselves, but totally irrelevant to them. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't have those cultures. What I'm saying is you've got to understand that for someone, it's like, like what we do in our place. I said, don't even bring them to church. I don't want them in church. You open your homes. And you start from ground zero, and you start making disciples. I said, because I'm not going to keep pioneering and going back. I've got to stay on the cutting edge. This is your job. My job is to equip you, and you equip them. Jesus, the 3, the 12, the 70, the 120, and it goes on and on. The 3,000, right? So those are the wheels within the wheel. That's, that's the apostolic order in government. It's not a hierarchy. They're circles. Father, Son, Holy Ghost. 24 elders around the throne. Right? And it keeps going out. Go into all the world. Circles. Spheres. Spheres of authority. Apostolic spheres. Second Timothy. We have one couple in our, in our church and I, th- I don't think they even came to our church for like over a year. I told, I told my leaders, I said, just keep having them in your home. Keep working on them. Get them born again. Get them saved. Start teaching them. I recommend, my, I personally think that James is a great book to start off people discipling. The book of John, like when, I, when we were growing up, you know, you always have like, read the book of John when you get saved. John's a really hard book to understand. Because he's so figurative. You know, the Word was made flesh, the flesh was the Word, and in the beginning was this, and, you know, and, you know, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and all this. And that's pretty rough to handle. You're throwing out a, a newbie, you know, a rookie, someone new. That they think. And, that, and that's why people fall off. They fall off because we, they feel like they're not spiritual, so what's the point in trying? I can't do this. This is beyond me. But if you make it simple, see, we can't be afraid to be simple. 
Or what, what, is, what are we doing this for? So that we appear deep and, you know, I mean, we're not gurus. Come to me. Come on. We can't, this cannot be why we're doing what we're doing. We're here to help people. We want the kingdom of God to advance in the earth. Now, I'm not talking about compromising. I'm not talking about being a seeker-friendly church. I'm not talking about a mega church, you know, where everyone is lost in the cracks and, you know, you just put your, your money in the bucket and you just go live any way you want to live and there's no gospel. Pre- I'm not talking about that. But what I am talking about is having a strategy and having a plan. Because after you get people healed, you've got to do something with them. You're not supposed to just go have babies. You know, oh, I made a baby today, and I made another baby today. Oh, well, that's really intelligent. Are you going to father them? Are you, are they, you know, you have a family? Are you going to raise these kids? Are you going to teach them anything? See, that's the, that's the other extreme where people are at. They just, it can't, it can't only be getting people saved and healed. That's one part of the puzzle. Right? So we either fall in one ditch or the other, you know. Either we're not going out at all. Let's go to Second Timothy. I'll get off that. Let me let me get. I don't because I don't want. I really I don't want you to feel. I don't want you to feel beat up. I want. I'm trying to make a point so you, you're clear in your understanding. I want to encourage you. Second Corinthians chapter two. I mean Second Timothy rather. Second Timothy chapter two. I'll just bring out a couple more points and we'll take a break, okay? Verse 1, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Grace is unmerited favor. Remember remember yesterday? There's enabling grace, but there's unmerited favor. We're part of the church of the firstborn. The blessing of the firstborn is a dew of heaven. That's God's favor. Be strong in that favor. Be strong in an unmerited favor that is in Christ Jesus. As I said to you before, most religions focus on reaching something, attaining something. If your Christianity is, is, if you have the mindset that you're going to attain, that is, that is a religious attitude. All the isms are religions. Judaism, including Judaism, Buddhism. Right? Even Isaiah 58, it doesn't say you fast and pray to be heard. It says you fast and pray to get you out of the way. That's what it's for. Amen? All right, so be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So God equates faithfulness with being able to teach others also. Faithfulness is not just coming to church. It's not just unlocking the doors of the church and making sure the, the carpets are vacuumed and everything's okay and you wash pastor's car and, and you, you know, you're, you're on time. and you know that It cannot be only that because that's why nothing is ever going to get done. Faithfulness is teaching others also. You've got to make up your mind that you're going to work on somebody, that you're going you're gonna to target someone, a friend, a loved one, someone at your school, someone at your work, and you start just interceding for them, praying for them. Lord, i got to get so-and-so saved. Help me to witness to this person. Thank you, Jesus. And then you just start ministering and praying and believing. And you start to work on them and just trust God. And as that happens, you're going to make a connection. Maybe one year from now, you can, you can have, you know, that person is born again and now start having a Bible study in your home. But you've got to have a plan. I said James is a good book because it, it, it was written to brand new believers. Who's it written to? That's why it says, if there's anyone sick among you, let them call for the elders of the church and let them come and pray for them, anointing him with oil. The prayer of faith will make him well. And then if he sinned, it will be forgiven him. So that's the only really New Testament reference there is they're actually praying for the sick. And the context was, uh, if you just got saved last night, you don't know how to use your own faith. So, that, so we think today, if you're sick, you're supposed to call for the elder. How long have you been born again? How long, how long, how long are you a Christian for? That's for someone who doesn't know what they're doing. Why would they have oil? Not because the oil is special, but that gives them a visual point of contact. Okay, let's wrap, it, let's wrap up this session with, with, with these thoughts, okay? There's four 
categories of people for the sake of this teaching. All right, we'll just say there's four. There's unbeliever or unsaved, however you want to call it. There's a brand new Christian. I mean brand new, right? Not a babe, because we're going to get to that. That's what I'm saying. I want to make a distinction. Unsaved, brand new. Then the next one is a babe or a carnal Christian. Remember last night, milk, meat, unspiritual, carnal. So you have unsaved, brand new, carnal. You can be a carnal Christian for 30 years. You can be immature for 30 years. So carnal, milk, um, babe in Christ all refer to the same person. And then the last one is mature. A mature son. Now I want you to just get a hold of how good God is. For each of those categories of people, God's provided a way to be healed. That's how, how much he loves us. So we've already been hammering this for over a day now. How does an unbeliever get healed? By a believer laying hands on him. Right? A brand new Christian gets healed by the way I just said in James. I'll read it to you. Chapter 5. Is anyone, is anyone among you sick? That's 5.14. Let him call for the elders of the church. It also implies, history tells you that it implies that they actually couldn't come to church. They're bedridden. It's not like the elders are doctors on call. Come to my house and pray. So I tell my people, if you're sick, come to church. That's the best place to get healed. If you're physically able, come. If you really need someone to go, then we'll send someone. And let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith, that's what we call the prayer of faith, will restore the one who's sick. And the Lord will raise him up. And if he's committed sins, they'll be forgiven him. Notice what came first. Healing came and then forgiveness of sins. Do you see it? You didn't go to the house and say, you sinner, you better repent and then I'll heal you. See, why do we do that? Because we operate as judges. It's not your job to be a judge. Freely you've received. Freely give. You don't pick and choose who gets it. It's just like in the prophetic, isn't it? When you, I mean, the most unlikely candidate, candidates get the best words. You're thinking, how? You know, the Lord says, yea, you shall be wealthy. And you're like thinking, you're looking at the guy, he's a bum. You're thinking, your natural mind is, how can this ever happen, you know? Because he's God, that's why. That's the only that's the only way. Sometimes the words we say it's like, What did I just say? Hallelujah. Lord, only you can do it. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't that true, guys? Alright, it's the same thing. So an, an an unsaved person or an unbeliever gets gets healed through the laying on of hands, a brand new Christian, through the prayer of faith. And what about the carnal Christian? What is God's provision there? He gets healed through the gifts of the Spirit in the church. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit operating through someone else. That's what I mean, like a prayer line. I don't want you to feel bad if you came up for prayer, okay? Don't feel bad, but I'm just saying God has a better way for you to get healed. Someone say amen. Okay? So the prayer line, the gifts of the Spirit, and also through communion. I say that's a carnal way in the sense that it's when you take communion, you've got, the, you've got the bread and the wine or the grape juice, right? And it's, a, it's another visual for you. But how does the mature, how does the mature believer gets, get healed? Romans chapter 8. Verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. That's, you know, the word dwell, freedom of expression. You're totally surrendered to him. He who raised Christ from the dead will give life back to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. So the mature son gets healed 
by understanding how the spirit of life in him can replenish his physical body. Amen?